Humans resourced one more time for Adrian. Thanks for being here today. I really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Excited. Um, look, so this all came about, right? Like you made a really good LinkedIn post that I, that I love that I reached out immediately. It was like, we got to talk about this yeah. now, right? The, the, <laughs> the most engaged posts we see from, from our company that I see online, it's people arguing over <laughs> return to office, return to work, what this all means, right? And you have such a cool view on it. You, you believe hybrid work. This is all really comes down to employees having choice, yeah. right? So let's start here. Let, let's take us back to sort of like foundationally. What do you mean when you say employee choice? Where is it coming from? What's driving it? Yeah. And then what does hybrid work look like to you? How, you know, how should, how should it be set up? Let's start there. Yeah, sure. So I think to go back even further, um, I really am a fan of Dan Pink. Um, and he writes a lot yeah. about intrinsic motivation. So motivation that you get from inside yourself, it's not external factors, it's internal. Uh, and he and Dan Ariely are, you know, kind of the, the fathers, if you will, of intrinsic motivation. And they've done a ton of research from the nineties. I mean, in the nineties, we knew this, but we just kept ignoring it, that autonomy, mastery, and purpose are driving forces of intrinsic motivation. And if you give employees intrinsic motivation, they will be more engaged, more successful, and thus your businesses will be more successful. Um, and autonomy is is a third of that, right? And autonomy is choice. So it's I'm making the choices for myself. Where am I working? What am I working on? Um, and how am I working? And that's hard to create in a corporate environment, given all the different factors. But I think if organizations can lean into hybrid work, it's a huge aspect of allowing that autonomy. And for me, hybrid work is we have probably an office location somewhere or multiple office locations that are physical, and we have remote capabilities. We have the ability to enable you to work remotely. It doesn't mean that you have to have jurisdiction set up in all 50 states or internationally, but it does yeah, mean yeah. that you give employees, depending on their geolocation, the ability to work remotely. And you probably have some kind of office space that people can go into. And some people might choose to work five days a week in that office. And some people might choose to never work in that office. And that's a really hard thing to manage as an employer. But I do think that that is the future of work that we're marching towards. So, so I, I mean, I, I agree with everything you're saying, right? Like if I think about it, and I'm a bit of a control freak, but like, yes, <laughs> choice and control is really what it comes down to, right? Wanting a say in what I'm doing every day, especially since I'm spending so much time and energy doing it. So I think you're right. So then why, help me understand, Adrian, right? Like where is this recent kind of uptick yeah. in return to office coming from? Yeah, I think it's it's interesting to think through. And I do think control is at the core of it. Absolutely. I think um, and I think if you went out and interviewed 100 employees at a company at all different ages, generations, et cetera, I don't think that you would get back from them that they want more control. I don't think for them that it's about more control. And I think for the executive teams and the boards, it is about more control. So it's, it's hard to enable and empower choice for people when you want a sense of control because it takes a lot more work and a lot more time and, you know, investment from you know, money, but also from energy and attention and planning. And I do think that, you know, the pendulum has swung recently back 
into the favor of boards and management, right? Of them being able to call the shots a little bit more and people having to go along with it because of the job market, right? And that's not to say that there aren't still a ton of jobs out there because there are, but the tech industry specifically has been, you know, really gutted (laughs) to use a very direct term in terms of all the layoffs that we're seeing around tech. And we're, we don't have to get into my thoughts about that. But I do think that <laughs> boards and executive teams and management generally feel like they have a little bit more of a leg up right now so they can be making stronger requests in terms of where they want people working. And honestly, why in an office? That's what they're used to. That's what they were. That's the corporate America they were raised in. And so for them, it's a sense of power, control and you know, comfort in terms of this is how I know how to manage people. And they're not willing to flex themselves a little bit and put in the work that is required to create a different kind of environment of work. Intrinsic motivation, like that first answer, I I love it, right? I never thought of choice as control, but it makes a ton of sense. And so I agree with you, you're super smart. If I agree with you, that means it must be accurate. So where, where, where's the disconnect then, right? Because even organizations who 12 months ago were kind of saying, you know, remote work forever yeah. have now backtracked on that and are starting to almost go, you know, that pendulum is swinging way back to the other side, return to work five days a week. You need to be in the office. Yeah. Where's this disconnect, right? Why are employers who I guess personified would be the leaders, the executives, right? suddenly taking such a radically different stance. If we all agree that this is really what employees want, if we go back to this sort of idea of intrinsic motivation, why why this swing? Where's this coming from? Where's the disconnect, Adrian? Yeah, you know, I do think it it is an aspect of control for sure. And I, you know, I think about, I've heard that a lot of these mandates are coming from boards. I think they're coming from executive teams as well, but primarily I do think from boards. And if you think about, you know, the majority of the people on a board, they're probably older. So they're further along in their careers and think of it. Yeah. (laughs) Think of the corporate America they were raised in. Right. And so change is hard. Change is hard for people. And I think when they're staring down the face of like, what can we do to make this company more successful? What can we do to, you know, if there's a recession actually coming, right. We're like always on the brink of it. Um, or if we're in the tech industry and we're seeing what's happening around us and the challenges of, you know, shifting and changing dynamics of, you know, think about if you're in the crypto space, right? Like, what are you going to do? You know, you go back to what you've known. Uh, I think you mentioned when we caught up last week, you know, the nostalgia of the office that they were raised in, right? And how nostalgia. that worked. Yeah. We were successful, you know, and there there's a little bit of lazy management too, like unwilling to shift and get creative and invest time and money and thinking of a new way of building an office, thinking of a new way of managing people. Um, And that pendulum has swung in the tech industry back into the hands of, you know, the people making the decisions around where people are working, who is working, who gets to keep their job, who doesn't. So there is a little bit of a, hey, we have the power right now. And this is what we're going to do with that power. We're going to kind of force you to get your butt in a seat where we can watch you because we feel a sense of control and a sense of we know that you're doing your job if we can see you, even though that's not true, right? And and we can 
there's so many data points that point to that not being true. I, I do think they want this easy path to a sense of control, whether it's true or it will work or not. I think that's part of it. But I will say also, I'm, you know, I have a lot of people I'm connected to and a lot of them are in HR, but some of them aren't in HR. And a lot of my friends talk to me about what's going on in their offices that aren't in HR. And I'm hearing them telling me they're going to make a mandate. They're going to make a mandate. They're going to make us back in the office so many days a week, et cetera. And then when they actually announce it, there is no mandate there. Yeah. It's just, hey, we really want you in these days of a week. So I do think that there was, you know, a little bit of a push towards the mandates and I think some of those larger companies who brought them down are seeing that people aren't willing to just rely on their employment to get them to do these things. And so I don't know if we're going to get as many mandates as we thought we were going to, especially some of the smaller companies, because there still is a need for talent in many companies as well. So that's, yes. So I have like two follow-ups to some yeah. of the things you're saying. One, it feels like like you're talking about the pendulum shifting back control mm -hmm. the the offices these boards and executives knew and that right like so it's it's almost like do you think why is there this opportunistic approach to kind of recapturing control right now like from your perspective what's going on mm -hmm. that's sort of making this point in time unique relative to 12 24 months ago right that's number yeah. one and then number two you know, what you were kind of talking about at the end there, that this idea that like it might be overstated, right? Like the, 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 it's all bark, no bite. Like what are you really going to do when it comes down to it? Mm -hmm. It's one thing to say it, to encourage it, to kind of really put it out there. It's another thing to then crack down. How do you crack down? How do you control it? Yeah. Especially for some of these large companies. So those are the two things I heard you just say that I'd, I'd love for you to dive in a little yeah. bit deeper on because they're just so, so interesting in terms of like, yeah, how do we unpack all of this and get past that surface level? Yeah, you know, I think that... <laughs> to put simply, to answer the first question, I think money's at the core of it. You know, okay. think about what, how much people have invested in these office spaces, right? And they're on five, 10, 15 year leases because those were cheaper to get and they're not going to find subletters. <laughs> and, you know, so they want people to use that office and they're not willing to do the creative work to invest the time in making it a place people want to come to. You yeah. know, you don't need a mandate to get people to get into the office, but the mandate's the fastest way to get there. Um, and I do think that there is a little bit of a anxiety around productivity. I think, you know, a lot of people are talking about that now. And I, there's a little bit of a fallacy of how, what productivity really means and how can you think about productivity. And I was talking to a CEO recently and he was saying, you know, I delivered the work harder message to the team and they just didn't hear it. And I said, because it's not about working harder. It's about working smarter. <laughs> and yeah, that's, that's so good. we haven't done the work to understand how we can set people up to work smarter because that's on us. That's on the executives. That's on the boards. You have to set the environment in which they can work smarter. And that again, is hard work to do. You have to have alignment, consistency. You have to have really strong performance management that everyone is operating from the same place of how they manage their teams. And that's working smarter. That's not working harder. 
And that is harder to do in remote environments. That's harder to do with teams dispersed with different time zones, with different working conditions around them. You know, where are they? Where is their office? I have a guest room I work in, but some people are working at their kitchen table, you know, and it's so it's it's harder to do. And I think that when people get anxious around productivity, when they get anxious around how can I see people and know what they're doing and how they're doing, you know, they go back to what they've known. They go back to what they thought was successful. And that was in an office. And that's where their money is right now as well. Right. So much of that is connected. Yes. Um, I don't remember what your second question was, Kyle. (laughs) Well, I was just going to say, which then leads me to the second question, which is like, what, what, because it's interesting. I haven't heard anybody say this yet, right? There's, there's this like very interesting trend. Um, Everybody feels like they're returning to the office. They're being forced to return to the office. But you were saying like, hey, like bark is worse than the bite. Like when the rubber hits the road, are we really going to see in such a low unemployment environment, right? In such a a, a space and area where it's so hard to get talent. Like are people really going to take action if everybody doesn't kind of adhere to this mandate right away? That was an interesting point that I heard in it either. So I was wondering what... Is this just what you feel? Are you seeing this kind of in certain areas or sectors? You said you were talking to some employees about it. I was hoping you can kind of talk a little bit more about that too. Yeah, you know, it's really interesting because I think that there are always going to be exceptions. And it's what do you do with those exceptions? And how do you weave them into mandates you're making? And I think that a lot of boards are encouraging executive teams to do something because they're seeing, you know, they're looking at the, you know, the results on a monthly or a quarterly basis and seeing how much is being spent on offices, I'm assuming, and equally how much is being spent on employees. <laughs> and they're thinking, you know, how are you maximizing this, right? They're asking that question because the board doesn't see the employees. The board just see the sees the numbers, right? And so how the executives are interpreting that ask and that curiosity I think was turning into those mandates, but then as they trickle that down into levels of leadership and they have one leader say, well, I've got this guy in Montana that I literally can't replace because he has this extremely specialized skill set that we can't find anywhere else. I can't require him to come to an office. And then you have another person over here saying, well, I've got that too with this person in, you know, Florida and we're not going to open an office in Florida, you know, like then you start to get into all these exceptions. And then it's like, well, if you can't do it equally across the board, you can't mandate. I talked to a head of finance recently who, you know, she said she manages her teams in office time differently than everyone else on the executive team. And then the executive team said, well, if we can't have consistency, why don't we do a mandate? And she was like, no, because I'm the only one that's going to uphold right. the mandate and right. you all aren't going to. So that's not going to work either. Oh. So I think these are the kind of conversations. I mean, obviously these are anecdotes, but these are the kind of conversations that start to happen when you introduce this idea of the mandate. Hey, let's just do a mandate. It's easy. People will follow it. They'll come in. But- They'll have to. We'll just say it and it'll be so. And and even saying, and we'll fire people who don't. But really, are you really going to do that? Look at the talent that you're letting go of. I agree people are replaceable. Absolutely. But if you're not prepared for the replacements that you'll have to do, then you're just slowing the business down, right? And then that's not responding to what the question the board had was anyway. Yeah, exactly. Such a good point. Right. Like somebody always used to say to me, too, I used to have a mug that my boss gave me a long time ago, like just because you're necessary doesn't mean you're important. 
yeah. which I think about all the time, like they're like necessary, important, replaceable. It's all these like kind of ranges of things. The other thing that I think you were talking about the other day that I wanted to get to as well, right? Because, okay, so it, it control, right? All driven by money, which is like follow the money. We all know this, right? Like so much money and 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 control tied up in corporate real estate in, in yeah. America, boards invested in these different things and wanting for there to be some kind of, okay, well, it's worked before. What always worked? What do I know? And let's go back to what's comfortable, yeah. right? In response to like, what's going on? We're feeling pressure, tough macroeconomic headwinds mm -hmm. and not really sure what to do about it. We'll just go back to what we've always done, right? So what is this idea that you have of like maybe this new C-suite role <laughs> emerging to help maybe persuade, better inform, provide more progressive ideas around what work will become to these sort of like, you know, we'll call it like it is older <laughs> leadership teams, boards, right? You were talking to me about a more a, seasoned <laughs> seasoned. That's the word politically correct. Thanks HR. Um, right. Like chief hybrid officer, right? Yeah. Tell me, is this something you came up with? You read this or heard this somewhere? Where, where, where is this coming from? I think I came up with it. I love that, right? You're like, I don't know anymore. The internet is such a weird place. I think it's mine. Um, I'm sure I'm not the only one who's come up with it though, but I do like, so I, I was talking to you about how the chief of staff has just taken off, right? Like that's a role that you see everyone yeah, now. And I think yeah, yeah. a brilliant role. And I think it it's very unique to every environment it's into. It's a, It's like a chameleon, which is amazing as well. And I do think that if we're really going to lean into the future of work being hybrid, which I believe we need to, then you need to put someone on the problem. You need to put someone on it that can help figure this out. And I think that person can come from a lot of different places. I don't think that has to be an HR. I think it could 100% be a C-suite level role or something similar to a chief of staff, you know, a chief of hybrid maybe, where yeah. they, they're not an executive but they sit within that team to help facilitate and execute on all the things required to get shit done, frankly. And I think they would be focused on communications. You know, they'd be focused on what's happening in the office to make it an environment that people want to come into. They'd be focused on policy. They'd be focused on programs. They'd be focused on where people work and how they're connected. Um, and possibly leveraging all the other functions around them for yeah. this one specific problem, right? Repurposing of what already exists in a way that we never thought we needed to apply it before. Yeah, exactly. You have a team that's dispersed across the U.S. You need to bring them together to do an offsite. Not all of them can travel or you don't have the budget. The chief hybrid officer helps you take what's existing and pulls together a great offsite for your team to have and then can capture what happened and what worked and what didn't and use that for the future. The chief hybrid officer knows all the offices that are all across the U.S., knows, you know, who's running those offices, what the schedules are, knows, you know, partners with the employee experience or the office manager. They're not an office manager, but they partner with them to think about, okay, the executive team's coming into this office on this day. What events are you setting up? How are we communicating that? Making sure that everybody's aware of it. And if other people want to travel in, are they allowed to? Can they? Where will they stay? Et cetera. So that kind of stuff, as well as, you know, team offsites and 
Also just thinking about where might we set up new offices in the future? Where do we have pockets of employees that are actually expressing an interest in having an office to go to? And our yeah. work budget is starting to increase a lot. And maybe we need to invest in an office now, you know, having those kind of financial analysis and oversight as well. Proactively, right? Yes. Like thinking ahead, looking yeah. ahead. That's super yeah. interesting. I love that. That was a cool. When you said that the other day, I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. I haven't heard that before. Um, Adrian, so last point, right? Like, so you're at Mainstay. Yeah. How much of this are you guys applying? How much of it? Like, what are you all doing? What, what's Mainstay's perspective approach? It's obviously got to be super influenced by you, right? So, <laughs> so what are you all doing? How is Mainstay kind of get kind of tackling this? Yeah. So we absolutely at one point were thinking about hybrid being the future for us as well. Uh, and then we realized we couldn't afford to invest in an office space, and we had to make some hard decisions around that. Uh, and so, we're, so money still matters. Money 100% matters. That's a huge part of it. Um, and so we're 100% remote. And, you know, I think we'll stay that way for the long run because we really capitalized on the ability to hire talent all over the US. And we were a Boston headquartered company for until COVID. And even at, during COVID and probably up through the end of 2021, we had the majority of our team in the Boston area, but I actually just looked in preparation for this convo and only a quarter of our team is now in the Boston area. Oh, wow. That's amazing. Yeah. So even if we wanted to have an office space, it, 23 people would be able to go into it on a regular basis. And that's not, that's not worth it. Right. That's that to me, isn't ideal hybrid because the vast majority of your team is somewhere else, but the small, minority that is in the office are getting a totally different experience. And that just creates, you know, division and and definitely us first them mentality and a lot of issues, which a chief hybrid officer could support. Um, and it, you know, it's, we don't have enough pockets in other places. I think if we had some geo pockets, I think that could be interesting to think about potentially sure. opening small offices there. But for us, it's hundred percent remote and that doesn't mean that I don't get questions consistently about when can we all get together. People wanting to be remote doesn't mean they don't want to be around people. It doesn't mean they don't want to connect with people in person. It just means that they want to have some choice in how they do it. Choice. Bring it back to right. Like, yes, no one. You're not saying to put a bow on it. You're not saying that people don't want that kind of old school human interaction just doesn't have to look like it always did. Exactly. That's awesome. That's really yeah. cool. Uh, Adrian, anything else going on that you need to plug, promote? Where can people find you? If they want to reach out, they have follow-up questions, they want to pick yeah. your your brilliant brain. Definitely LinkedIn. Um, happy to connect with people there and chat. I'm in a lot of HR networking groups too. Resources for humans. I'm in um, HRA with Benny. I'm in the um, Pops United from Life Lab. So if you're in any of those, happy to chat there too. Um, definitely LinkedIn is the best place to find me. Awesome. Adrian on LinkedIn, thank you so much for being here. Love mm -hmm. this conversation. Yeah. I know return to office is always such a hot button topic. Thanks for your unique perspective on it. As always, uh, Humans Resource, you can find it wherever you listen to podcasts or access your podcasts. Go to nfp.com for historical episodes, other great compliance updates, tips and tricks, resources for you as an HR leader and people leader. I am Kyle Healy. Thank you. And until next time. Thanks, Adrian. Thanks.